welcome to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle. I'm a naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist, and the owner of Seeds of Health. I love to dig into the truth behind all things, conscious living, health, and well-being. I love to work with clients one-on-one and also in retreat settings and dive underneath the skin. Today on the podcast, we discuss the truth behind mindfulness and how the word is diluted with Han. Han is a meditation, mindfulness, and yoga teacher in Cairns. And I had the pleasure of meeting up with him when I was in Cairns recently, just before running my fasting retreat. Let's dive in. All right, welcome to the podcast, Han. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, today we're going to be talking about the topic of mindfulness. And I guess we both feel quite strongly that mindfulness is quite a... um, overused word and diluted word and I guess today we're wanting to maybe reframe um, and contextualize maybe the origin of that word so yeah do you want to start by giving us a little insight about you yes (laughs) (laughs) so I grew up in Singapore and I first contacted, uh, well I've always had a hunger for maybe like philosophy at least, and my first sort of uh, contact with spirituality and anything meditative or contemplative was through, was through Buddhism, and uh, went through some of the scriptures etc, and was very fortunate to also have been lent a book called the Bhagavad Gita, uh, very important text if you will in classical yoga, but very neglected in modern yoga Mm. but that was before yoga actually was popular and then when yoga got popular having read the Gita you know it it surmised yoga or if I can surmise from that book yoga was very different and suddenly seeing everyone in tight clothing and in front of mirrors was very awkward it's like "Mm, Mm. I'm not sure this is the yoga I read or know or are interested in Mm. but I was very lucky when I moved uh, to a small town near Melbourne I came into contact with a yoga ashram and at that ashram, I recognized that they were holders of this traditional wisdom. Mm. So then I went to study with them. Mm-hmm. And through that study with them, I was exposed to a number of different meditation techniques. And I was also exposed to one of the uh, pioneers of mindfulness in, in Melbourne, Craig Hassett. Mm-hmm. So he inspired me to sort of uh, look down that pathway, the neuroscience involved the applications, etc., and how it's been presented. And then from there, I also encountered numerous other forms of uh, meditation and facilitators and perspectives. Mm. So that's how I've come to start teaching mindfulness now, mm. which, as we've discussed earlier, is an awkward word to use. Mm. I like value, that word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of depth. Yes. In its origin. Or even in its uh, application has a lot of value because it, it at least brings about a greater public awareness for yep. something. Yep, true. For something. Then that, that something is widely regarded as being beneficial. So I see value in that. It, it's not different from yoga, for example. Yoga these days is very diluted. Acro yoga, beer yoga, goat yoga. Yes. <laughs> what, what's the, what makes it yoga? We don't know anymore. Yeah, but it's really still beneficial. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, despite that, it still feels like 
it's um, awkward. I like I like that word. It's it's maybe maybe it's up to the individual to research what type of truthful mm. mindfulness or teacher of mindfulness they're drawn to, mm. because all of it is beneficial. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is uh, the reason it's beneficial is because we live in this fast food, fast life kind of culture now. Mm. Uh, so at least it gives us a very simple nugget to just kind of chew on. Mm. But the, the downside there as well is that who then has time, you know, to go and find a teacher here, listen to a podcast there, uh, try this meditation and then that meditation and then have someone actually offer you feedback in terms of what you're experiencing in these different practices and, 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 and facing uh, uh, what obstacles you may face when you're applying these meditative uh, mm. philosophies. Mm. So there's no one to guide you in that sense. Mm. The simplicity of mindfulness is its beauty. Mm. Pay attention. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. But we all pay attention. I mean, uh, otherwise, uh, what's the point of us having this podcast? You know, mm. if you can't pay attention, nobody's going to hear it. Mm, I feel though the application of it is the missing link with my clients anyway. Like you can be fully aware that you need to be more present or be more rather than do more. But do you apply the knowing of it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think so while the word has value as a, as a, what, like a placeholder, if you will, Mm. um, I think we need to better define what mindfulness really is. Mm. And define it in a way that allows anyone very quickly to gain access, uh, not just as an intellectual sort of uh, understanding, but gain access in terms of being able to apply it and feel its benefits. Mm. Mm. So how do you define mindfulness? I first define it as a process, as a process of reduction. Yeah. You can't do more. Mm-hmm. to get mindful mm. the harder you try the further you are from it yeah you can only do less yeah and that's the hardest bit bingo. for us in a convenient lifestyle bingo yeah, yeah. permission to do less and yes. to not beat yourself up about it mm. or do less and carry guilt yes you've missed the point yes. yeah and that's only the first half of it so you still have to conquer that aspect well you conquer that aspect and then you find another sort of a pinnacle if you will to climb to uh, being that uh, it's something you allow Mm. because we're so conditioned to believe that if I were to get anything I must do I must control Mm. I must exert Mm -hmm. I don't sit back and allow Mm -hmm. it's preposterous (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nothing's going to get done yeah exactly nothing will happen (laughs) that's so true so in some sense I Aside from the process, in its working definition as well, uh, itself, I think the most popular is from John Kabat-Zinn. Mm-hmm. And John Kabat-Zinn having sort of uh, brought this aspect of meditation as branded as mindfulness into mainstream uh, popularity, defines it generally as the intentional placement of attention without judgment or reaction. And most mm. people would hear this working definition. Can you repeat that? The intentional placement of attention without judgment or reaction. Mm. Yeah. And the the interesting part of it, uh, the words are are, are logical, but the the understanding of how to apply them is tricky. Mm. Especially when you think of, uh, well, let's phrase it in this other way. 
Uh, I prefer a definition that is entirely apl applicable. And when we break it down in an uh, applied sense, intention for all general purposes, without getting too philosophical, it would be reasonably fair to say that it is inherent. Mm -hmm. We have intention. And what you have, there's no amount of effort that would get it for you. Because you already have it. Mm -hmm. It's like when you lose your keys and you try really hard to find it. Mm -hmm. And you can't find it and you get more frustrated. Mm -hmm. Only to give up and realize it was in your pocket the whole time. <laughs> you already have it. Mm -hmm. You just have to stop. Mm -hmm. And then you'll realize you have it. Mm -hmm. So intention's a bit like that. Mm -hmm. It's inherent. You have it. You can make a decision. Mm. Therefore, in application, intending for something is like doing nothing. Because you already have it. Mm -hmm. Attention is actually entirely similar. You already have it. It's inherent. In fact, the less you do, the more you find that attention slash awareness, consciousness, is the thing that remains. Is the only thing you can't stop doing. Mm -hmm. It's just constantly there. And the visual I get in my mind with the example of the keys is um, you can have the intention to find them and that's not wrong. Mm. But the moment that you stop and pause and give your kind of like your, your brain some space... Mm to remove the um, frazzle or the cloud or the congestion. Yes. You, you bring the, yeah, you, you, your, cl your clarity of thought is, you have clarity of thought. Yeah. Yeah, and you remember that, oh, that's right, I put them in my they pocket when I was going to the fridge. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the same with attention. Mm -hmm. it's, it's always there already, you know, you don't have to try hard like right now we're hearing each other, we don't have to try hard. Uh, we just have to not entertain the excess of thought mm. to have greater purity of attention, mm. which means it's again a process of reduction. Mm. So do nothing. Intention, do nothing. Mm -hmm. Attention, do nothing. Mm -hmm. And then you have non-judgment and non-reactivity, mm. which of itself means lesser activity. Mm -hmm. So do nothing. Mm -hmm. So a better, more applicable way of understanding mindfulness is really a way of doing nothing, to do nothing, to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and as we pointed out, that's incredibly confronting. Yeah, and hard. But that helps us at least have a very immediately accessible definition mm. that says it's not you sitting in a cross-legged position, scrunching your face up, trying to see if you're breathing or not. Mm. That that's not mindfulness. Mm. That's too much doing. Mm. We want nothing mm. for nothing for nothing. Mm. So you run classes and retreats and one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. When you're working one-on-one -on -one with clients, obviously every client would be individual. But how would you describe this process unfolds with a client? In what you've just spoken about. In terms of how I would actually explain it to them, I would go in greater detail of how the, the conscious mind works, mm -hmm. how the inherent nature of it, uh, or how it is an inherent uh, process within us. But are you asking more in terms of how it's applied and then the practical evolution of it in the client? I'm just thinking of, say, a stressed individual who's seeking your help, mm. is understanding everything that's being spoken about in this podcast and mm. feels to reach out to you. How does a session work between you and that client to give them something 
tangible, which is hilarious in itself from yeah. what we've just spoken about, yeah. to work through maybe the stress that they're feeling. Yes. The, for any of your listeners out there who are in that sort of similar position, the first thing I would uh, present to my client is often tricky to, uh, slightly unpalatable even, it's to not fix the problem. Mm-hmm. It's to try to not fix the stress. Mm-hmm. It is try to not solve the problem, not try in total, period. Mm-hmm. And forget about even trying to meditate, trying to be mindful to then resolve this stress. Mm-hmm. Think instead of finding a moment's rest. Mm-hmm. Pause. Mm-hmm. Just stop for a while. Mm-hmm. Stop even trying to solve your problem. Stop even trying to rectify things. It only implies that things are broken. Nothing is without getting too into the philosophy there either. But the more you find that you stop, the less stress there will be. Because by default, stress is a product of addition, of summation, of more. Mm. I have more I need to do because I want more to be more, to be seen as more. Therefore, I need to put more in and I feel the burden of my more. Mm. That's the nature of stress. Mm. So the moment you rest consciously and uh, deliberately in this uh, a, a, a systematic manner you'll find that uh, just by pausing you're already de-stressing is another way of framing that acceptance yes okay so accepting yes. the mess that you're in if mm. that's the situation yes and then using that as the first platform and mm. moving forward from there okay yeah. But I would even consider acceptance to be a second step. Okay. Because in many ways, uh, to try and awaken acceptance in someone can be seen as a process to be uh, undertaken, a, a quality to be awakened. Means I have to put more effort. Come on, accept now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just like come surrender. On, relax now. Might be a different word. Surrendering. I would I, uh, no? I, I, I interchange those two words, but mm-hmm. this is semantics alone. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think rest, just stopping, mm-hmm. is more important. So mm-hmm. not even trying to accept a problem, not even trying to accept a situation. Mm. It's sort of like just calling time out in the middle of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just, just take 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Fix the problem later. Just take 15 seconds. Yeah. And then see if you can accept it. Yeah. And of course, acceptance is a, a concept. Uh, the application to me is surrender. Mm. Acceptance is not possible without the act of surrendering. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then that would be another step. Mm-hmm. And then the a subsequent step might be a, the capacity to then detach. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So forth. Okay. Mm. Um, you've mentioned the meta process in our discussions. Can you mm. dive into that? What that means? Maybe how you weave it through? Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, meta refers to a friendliness. Mm-hmm. And maybe a step back here is useful. So I've given you John Kabat-Zinn's working definition. There are those that would sort of not argue but add to it. Mm-hmm. To say that it is not just non-reactivity, but it is the intentional placement of att- intentional placement of attention with an appropriate attitude. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the attitude must also be encompassing of this non-reactivity and uh, non-judgmental aspect. Mm. So in, in some sense, the friendliness, the attitude of kindness and compassion is essential to mindfulness uh, as, as, as its very foundation. 
Mm. You have to, they're just complementary aspects. Mm. Otherwise, if you're mindful of something but constantly judging it uh, or having a negative attitude around it, then there will be constantly uh, reactions from that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, in terms of applying metta, it's a standalone practice of itself, but also entirely complementary with mindfulness. I feel that metta, in some sense, is often more important, even. Because, uh, so I've just uh, had a client, and based on his sort of、uh, predisposition and difficulties and, and, and states of mind, there's no point trying to get him to just stop to pay attention. You know, when we are living in high degrees of self criticism and blame, judgment, and guilt, we, we don't see this often, but it's as if we're constantly in a relationship with somebody who is abusive, and,、mm. and that creates an environment of threat.、Mm-hmm. So we're always going to be in an elevated state of fight or flight.、Mm. And if you try and pay attention in that state, it's almost useless. Mm-hmm. All you'll get is a perpetuation of that state of threat. You also don't get the whole picture. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You see, in a very narrowed、mm. viewpoint, isn't it?、Um, and then the practice just becomes a lot more、uh, friction. It adds a lot of friction if、mm-hmm. you pay attention in that way.、Mm-hmm. Whereas when you start with metta meditation, it doesn't require you to necessarily. Fight the mind and then quieten it or, or, or detach from it or break your conditions to do more by doing less. It allows you to utilize all those faculties, but just with a single、uh, intention to be softer.、Mm. You know, the, the, the practice often is done with a set series of phrases May you be free from suffering, may you be free from pain and difficulty, may you be happy and healthy, etc.、Mm-hmm. And just by starting to awaken. A certain degree of metta, that friendliness, that compassion, whether most importantly to ourselves first and foremost,、um, and then for others as well, that starts to nullify some of the threat that we're carrying.、Mm. Because suddenly the environment is no longer so abusive and abrasive.、Mm. It's a little bit sweeter, it's、mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. softer, mm-hmm. it's a little bit kinder, and it、yep. makes life that little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really resonate with that, and I like the word sweeter.、Mm. Uh, when I'm working with clients, I try and find their sweet spot、yeah. with food or even changes, you know,、yeah. like、um, whatever's going on for them, they've obviously come to me for help. So we need to make some changes. And whatever those changes are, I try and ask them. If it's in relation to food, for example, what textures do you like? What times of day do you like to eat?、Um, you know, when do you feel most happy? Are you, is it when you're eating with others or eating alone? You, like all of these types of questions, so that I can then work with the path of least resistance. Yeah. I feel that's kind of yeah. This, yeah, the, same in, the same in my work. I resonate with what you said. And there's so many、uh, different, I would say, scientists. Who are coming up with research to val-、uh, validate these types of sentiments? You know, Joe Dispenza, for one, talking about how、uh, we are literally, physically, as well, physiologically, in, in,、uh, our neurochemistry is the sum total of who we are, how we think.、Mm-hmm. And so, if we can elevate ourselves into a loving state,、mm-hmm. we literally become a different person.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, And, and to have the signs that's starting to come out to back these types of approaches is, is I think, very important so that、mm. people have a, 
maybe a higher degree of faith within that. Mm. Um, but that's the summary of that is basically what you've said. Find the sweetness. Work mm. with that. Mm. Find the lightness. Mm. The because, lightness, um, yeah. I've seen this guy, you know, come to the... I used to live in an ashram. And he... And we sit on the floor a lot. And he sits on the floor as well, except he's never done that before. He's in his mid-60s, maybe. You know, let's call him Jim. So his knees are tensed and tight and pulled up. I'm trying to offer him a chair. He says, no, no. I'm trying to offer him cushions. He says, no. He's happy to sit on the floor like that. 10 minutes into the meditation, his knees are trembling. 15 minutes in, he's hunched right over. His face is scrunched up. He's yeah. trying to focus. 20 minutes in, you know, his knuckles are going white, you know, gripping his knees so he doesn't topple backwards. Half an hour later, I ask him, hey, how was your uh, meditation? He, True story, yeah? He says, great. I never felt more relaxed. <laughs> right. This is the problem, you know, we get lost in the world of trying. Yeah. We get lost in this world of pushing harder. Yeah. And we're so lost in it, we don't even recognize that we're further from the very thing we're trying to achieve. Mm. Whereas if you start to work with some degree of sweetness, mm. it alleviates a lot of the obstacles, the barriers, and you start to find flow a lot easier. Totally. I feel like it relieves the resistance that's yeah. going on on a cellular level or a subconscious level, maybe more so. Yeah. Um, coffee is a great example. You know, if you're having a coffee with guilt... Mm. It's way more abusive than having a coffee, you know, with loving kindness towards yourself or absolute joy or bliss. Mm. Um, the damage that's done in the communication of, like, you know, just within oneself mm. is um, harmful. Yeah. But because it's not seen, it can be negated so easily by yes. some clients um, in their thinking or thought process. Mm. Mm. guilt is a heavy burden of its own forget about what you're guilty of the guilt itself mm. is what's heavy mm -hmm. and this is maybe where Joe Dispenza gets a bit woo woo right you know he talks about how um, uh, that the states of mind are able to create states of body in which even the the glass eaters, you know, the poison drinkers of these different cults and, 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 and religions are able to perform these feats because they shift their mindset into becoming a person that can. Mm. And I mean, the conclusion of that, if, if we can put the anecdote to science, is that our biology follows our mentality to the point where, I mean, poison is nullified. Forget coffee. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm. so I like was thinking saying, that as an everyday challenge for mm. for some of my clients if they've got like adrenal exhaustion yeah but yeah but if you can alleviate the guilt from that you may often find that it's so much easier to move away from the pattern itself mm. because so many of our let's say you know addictions mm -hmm. right whether it's food etc are ways strategies in which we try to avoid an inner reality an inner atmosphere. totally suppressing it numbing it mm. if we are in this sweet space Mm -hmm. What are you running away from anymore? Mm -hmm. You don't. Mm -hmm. You don't have to run. So then you're free to make very clear, conscious choices. Yeah. You want the coffee, okay, you have it. Yeah. But no guilt. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't have it. You yeah. are no longer compelled yeah. because your life is already sweet. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. And that's, that's why I really rate sort of uh, loving kindness as a practice, compassion as a practice, because our emotions are things we practice. Mm. We're never brought up to think this way. We're conditioned to believe that our emotions are uh, an outcome of an external phenomenon. 
You did this to me. You made me angry.、Mm. Well, no, <laughs> you made you angry. <laughs> you know, the more we start to understand that we practice our emotions, and the more we practice anger, the more angry we get. The more we practice depression, anxiety, the more so we become.、Mm. So too, we then understand the more we practice compassion, loving kindness starts with ourselves. The more it becomes us.、Mm. The more sweetness. Mm. Mm. So, would the summary be do less and find the sweet spot? Oh, it's a good summary. <laughs> it's a very good summary. I think by default, even doing less alone will arrive at a sweet spot. You know, we、yeah. live in a life so starved of relaxation. But how many of us know how to relax? Oh my gosh! Yeah. We try to relax by squeezing more in, doing more, seeing、yeah. more, eating more, being more. Yeah. And then having or, more photos to prove it. Yes, or doing more. Prior to the holiday, yes, where you、right. get to relax,、that's、so you、right. burn yourself out, and then you kind of regroup or recoup, and then you go again. Yeah. So we don't even know how to relax,、mm. and we're not even mindful enough to see that our strategies are entirely uh, uh, useless.、Mm. Or we may know how to relax, but I mean, I do hear you on that. But there may be challenges around.、Um, Accepting that it's okay to yes. relax, yes. giving ourselves permission without feeling guilty, justifying it to others that we're worthy if we are doing nothing—all of those stories that、Correct. are quite common. There are ways around that in sense of、uh, this doing nothing doesn't have to be a grand seven-day trip away to do nothing. This doing、mm. nothing could be anyone stopping, having a cup of tea, having a cup of tea. Having a cup of tea, you know, not checking their phones, not looking at things, not trying to、yep. run around while the tea cools. Just sit、yep. and have your cup of tea. By the time、yep. it cools, you would have uh, uh, finished it, and it would have been maybe about half an hour. Perfect practice.、Mm. Doing nothing, and by doing nothing, you will start to find relaxation arises of its own because that is the physical nature of relaxation. Relaxation、mm-hmm. doesn't come from doing more.、Mm-hmm. It comes from doing less,、mm-hmm. and just by willing to being willing to do that, nothing, you'll find the sweetness.、Mm. And you'll also enter into the parasympathetic nervous system. Precisely. Hopefully. Yeah. Depending on where you are to begin with, but、mm. you know the healing that happens in that parasympathetic state is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I sometimes、mm. tell my clients to have a cup of tea and stare at the trees,、mm. which is you know exactly the same thing as what you said. But、mm. I think. The doing in staring at the trees is a little bit easier to accept than、yes. having a cup of tea. You know, the eyes are wandering. You know, like what do I do now? Do I stare at the? Do I stare at the water? Do I? I don't, the, yes, <laughs> the, you're right. The the little the little piece of action, you know,、mm. observe the leaves, look at the birds, is enough in itself, and、mm. hopefully meditative. Yeah, I think mindfulness is and, and meditation is something that is a.、Uh, Actually, I need a little bit of a. Do we have time?、Mm. I need a little bit of a,、uh, a preamble here that there are many different types of meditation, but all meditations anchor around awareness, consciousness,、mm-hmm. and that's the aspect of mindfulness itself. So whether the meditation itself is very busy or not, it requires a level of awareness to be present, and awareness is best、uh, directed incidentally, regardless. Mm-hmm. So if you're incidentally just paying attention, then it happens very naturally.、Mm. 
Mm-hmm. If you're fighting to focus, then it becomes very tedious and difficult. Mm-hmm. And the more incidental we can bring about this uh, as, a, as a maxim for applying any form of meditation, mm. I think the more palatable, the more successful, more meditative practitioners will be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 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 So even if they were just sitting, uh, having the cup of tea, uh, yes, look at the trees, hear the birds, but do it incidentally. Don't try to yes. find it. But when you do find How it, many ah, birds can I see? Exactly. Oh, yes. Okay, I've exactly. seen two blue ones. Yeah. And then the tally begins yeah. in the mind. Oh, but you said there were five. <laughs> yeah, I must the find three. the other three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. True. Mm. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Um, no. I think you summed it up really nicely in that it's, it's sort of a, a doing less, a willingness to do less until you find, you, you fall into this sweet spot mm. and take a moment to just allow life to unfold, mm. allow there to be birds or no birds, breeze or no breeze. Mm. And that way you can be still. Mm. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, Han. You're very welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Wellness Alchemy podcast. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast to help spread inspiration and conversation beyond the Seeds of Health corner of the globe. Until next time, bye for now.